0: Steve, happy Monday. How's it going, man?
1: Uh, I'm doing really well, man. Just uh, hanging out at home, working from home. Had a uh, great weekend with my family. It's on, uh, I know we did the podcast on Friday, so I was heading up to the Arrow Rock Reservoir, which is just east of Boise with, with my family. Took my daughter up there, and um, I've just got this little um, inflatable boat. And it's got a little two horsepower uh, motor on it, and she's you know, last year when she was two, I got her like this little Disney princess fishing pole, you know, and mm-hmm. we kind of fished a little bit, but not really. Um, I'm more like I, I remember tying a buckle to it and trying to teach her how to cast. Um, and uh, anyways, we I got her out in the boat, dude, and she was like I was so proud of her. It was, it was like the highlight of my dad career. Uh, <laughs> she was like just freaking so determined to catch a fish, just like holding the pole with both hands, just staring and at the end of the pole, like, I kept kind of like, I'd grab the line to like simulate like, this is what a bite's going to feel like, you know, and you feel that, then you kind of pull it, set the hook, and yeah. dude, it was so awesome, and unfortunately, couldn't catch a fish, I, uh, I don't know if, uh, there's just no fish jumping, and tried a couple different lures, and you know, we did these little, we did two little 10 minute loops, it was super short, but um, man, it was fun, I had an absolute blast, and then just did some hikes and stuff, I heard you did a hike over the weekend? Yeah, I got out a little
0: bit. yeah in the absence of uh the death hike we kind of talked about last week on the podcast i wanted to get out and do something so i just went ahead and made it happen saturday man um got up at 2 a.m to drive to the trailhead i was hiking right before 4 a.m um and the goal was essentially to try and do 40 ish miles like and it was an out and back route that i had picked um, and the trail guide said it was like 19 point something one way. So I thought that'll ah, get me close to 40 on out and back. And, um, that ended up being accurate. It was just actually a touch under 39, according to Strava anyway. Um, yeah, so I just want, I wanted to do that kind of sort of as fast as possible. Um, uh, meaning I was like cutting rest short and wanted to have an overall average pace of three miles an hour. So not just moving average, but just total cumulative with brakes three miles an hour so i was able to do it, it ended up being like
1: 3.2 so yeah essentially hit oh, the goal nice. and and
0: had a good long day
1: on the trail for sure anything uh surprise you nutrition wise footwear wise oh god uh, anything gonna talk you about boots again <laughs> <laughs> i'm done with my boot rant i'll i'll let it be i'll let it be <laughs> <laughs>
0: You say you're done, but I can tell you're chomping at the bit. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, a few things stood out. It was um, there'd been some things I had been like testing on, even on the clothing side, for the past six weeks or so that I was planning on running for the death hike that I ran on this. Um, there's a company actually; they're called Exo, but it's X O, not E X O. But they're called Exo Skin, um, and so they do base layers uh tops bottoms i think they do yeah they do socks and stuff as well but they have um like some sort of proprietary fabric it was actually interesting it's kind of a long rant but you know it's a podcast we got some time i found them and they're kind of in the trail running space is where their market is and supposedly you know had these benefits compared to other synthetics supposedly didn't build up any funk like other synthetics. So it had those good antimicrobial properties of, um, of scent control, like a Merino, obviously Merino, that's natural. This is a proprietary fabric, something to do with copper, which, you know, in the hunting space, there's been some companies that have done like a silver treated, Mm -hmm. um, treated or impregnated, whatever you want to say, fabric, which I've not had great success with years and years ago. Um, but for whatever reason, this one really piqued my interest, and in talking with them, found out that Exoskin is a newer company selling direct. Everything's made in the U.S., so like for all those reasons, I'm like small company, all sewn in the U.S., all sourced in the U.S., potentially benefits to their technology is proprietary. Like I was just my curiosity was piqued, and uh, the guy who started Exoskin has actually had a long-standing business in the fabrics. And basically does licensing. And so Hull license his proprietary technology to companies like Solomon, Adidas, whatever. But I think from what I understood with his story, he was a little bit frustrated in how they implemented that. Um, and basically they just they didn't implement it in the proper way to where the, his technology got a full benefit. So anyway, I, I've been running that stuff. Um, I got it in February. And I've done two to three workouts a week in it and haven't washed it and when i got done with my hike on saturday i had my wife do a sniff test and even telling her what it was but i was like does this shirt stink she's like no so it's like pretty legit on that factor so i'm really curious to like keep running that stuff
1: so is there any performance to it other than not stinky that stands out yeah i mean just kind of
0: no in terms of like wicking um moisture transfer it definitely seems very legit um and it was the the layer that i have is a thicker layer because i was planning on it for the death hike in colder weather and when i was hiking saturday it ended up getting into probably the mid 40s um and so i was wearing that base layer top and so i got pretty warm in it and even through then like it just it didn't hold moisture i was it was pretty impressive so i'm actually like, personally curious to talk to them a bit more, and I don't know what they can divulge about the properties or why it works, but so far it's been pretty impressive, um, and it's pretty cool, you know, that they're making everything U.S., and um, yeah, seems legit, so that worked well. I did wear the Technicas, the Technica boots, which we talked about last week, um, you know, for doing 40 miles in 12 hours don't have any complaints my my feet were tired by the end of it obviously but no major issues um, it was a really really wet hike um, they kept me dry there was a few stream crossings and then you know mentioned before like traction was something that I had griped about mm-hmm. with those especially in snow but I was actually I want to say more impressed but it so this was a very rocky and wet and there's like a lot of areas that were um smooth like slicker rock um some of which was wet and it wasn't perfect on those but i was I, i don't know if my expectations were so low <laughs> based on the snow performance but it actually did better in those conditions than i thought so ah, nice yeah technicals were good food was um super simple i did um i actually packed pancakes so i made pancakes friday night and then just kept them cold and ate those cold on the trail those were freaking wonderful uh peanut butter filled pretzels you know a lot of the snacky stuff i was obviously just trying to do a quick effort so i wanted to be stoveless and not waste any time Mm -hmm. um yeah so all that was good man it was uh you know, I had a buddy ask me, like, how did it compare to a death hike? And every death hike has been different, so it's hard to, like, compare anything to a death hike because even the death hikes themselves are very different. But um, trying to push the pace, not only the pace that much, but cut down on rest. I mean, as we talked about last week, those breaks and doing those regularly are really helpful. So, you know, in past death hikes, we had done hike for two hours, take, you know, a 20-minute break or whatever. Um and with this one I was essentially only stopping to filter water or grab some food out of my pack uh, and breaks were just super minimal I think the longest break I took was between 10 and 15 minutes and overall cumulatively out of 12 hours of hiking my moving time was still over 11 hours and 20 minutes so basically between like 30 and 40 minutes total Um of break time so i've i I'd never done anything at that i guess pace intensity distance that quick essentially with that duration yeah for 40 miles yeah. and essentially 12 hours roughly um so anyway by the end of that i was freaking feeling it like it was i would say yeah. it was full-on death hike hurt <laughs> by the end of it um, <laughs> and just a mental <laughs> grind of being solo um having been yeah. up since 2 no one to chat m. with and yeah so there's nothing like yeah there's no one to chat with nothing to take your mind off of um you know going on a little sleep after getting up at 2 a.m like so those those last miles were truly like truly a hurt man i remember like you play those mental games with yourself of like oh i could just stop here like so i had going into the hike my goal was between 35 and 40 miles with a pace of at least three miles an hour total so when i got to like mile 35 my pace was 3.2 overall i was like i should just stop here like i should just you know turn off strava take a nice long like 30 40 minute break um it's out and back so i still have to hike to my truck no matter what but like in terms of like pushing the effort and pushing the pace and keeping going i was like super tempted just to to call it there um to stop it stop the tracker take a long break and and limp my way out you know, but essentially I was like, that was quitting, you know. Yeah, I wanted between thirty five and, and forty miles and I wasn't done yet. So that yeah, I mean those last miles were, were full on like mental
1: physical grind for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. What'd you do, uh did you swap out socks often? Obviously not if you were taking if you weren't taking that many stops.
0: Yeah, I just did once. Um so I took wow. you know, that longest stop was basically at the halfway point and the out and back. So at that stop I um swap stocks let my feet dry out for maybe 10 minutes um and kept going there so yeah i mean it wouldn't be recommended like it's still i think smarter to do that every break if you're doing every two hours for sure but yeah i was just in
1: that mindset of essentially not stopping to stop yeah it's one day if if they're boots fit you right your feet are only going to deteriorate so much it's not like the yeah. 3 mile or the 3 day hike you know we exactly. did two years ago
0: yeah. yeah that was kind of my mindset yeah. like yeah. it i could hike that same mileage and even do it in one day and not feel nearly as bad as i did the next day after this one if i would have taken like made it a 15 hour day you know or 16 hour day versus 12 hours but just like compressing that window little rest for sure had an effect which was you know it's interesting to know right like Mm -hmm. um good lesson learned and then you know it always comes back to two like it it sounds kind of crazy maybe to get up at 2 a.m and hike 4 a.m and hike for three hours in the dark or whatever but honestly it's not a big deal and it you know that translates into hunting too of like just thinking those times where you want to get in for the weekend like yeah get up at 2am and hike in you know and be in a good position for daylight a lot of guys probably overlook that but it's you know it's totally doable it's not a big deal so just doing those things um just gives you that confidence you know moving forward for for other times for sure like it awesome i did go rage monster a few times (laughs) what's rage monster (laughs) i knew you'd ask so uh, <laughs> my kids watch Dude Perfect. It's like a YouTube series. Um, they do oh, okay. like trick yeah, shots yeah, yeah. and stuff, you know. They have, they do these random, more like, I don't know if they're skits or whatever they are, but they have this character in there on going rage monster. Basically something happens and this dude flies off the handle. I got so freaking tired of how rocky this trail was. And not like pebbly, gravelly rock, but bigger rocks. And you know how when you get tired, your steps just get more mm-hmm. lazy, like even when you even when you try to be careful with foot placement, your steps just get lazy. And between either shoving a trekking pole between rocks and then trying to pick it up and it's stuck, which by the way, I'm shocked I didn't break my trekking poles, or trying to act, ax- trying to take proper steps, but accidentally like kicking a rock really hard or slipping off a rock when you're not expecting to, like it's so funny how those little <laughs> things, like by the end of a hike, just make you so mad. Uh, it was so funny. I'd accidentally like kick a rock really hard and kind of stub my toe, you know, and I just I would just be one of like yelling and cursing and I'm all out there by myself. But it, those little things make you so mad. I wanted to go full rage monster. It was
1: funny. <laughs> so. uh, that's funny.
0: Yeah. Uh, it was huh, good. Cool. It, it was no it'd be more fun to be snowshoeing and death hiking with the crew, but
1: it was all right. <laughs> yeah it's uh hopefully I, I yeah we obviously officially canceled it and hopefully this blows over dust settles a little bit in the next few months and then may we're gonna try to retackle it so we'll see what happens but yeah, for the meantime just kind of laying low
0: yeah um let's see let's hit a listener question we got um where did it go oh basically um this guy says he just finished listening to episode 186 which is on how to pack your pack and in it we talked about not having stuff strapped to the outside of the pack which he totally gets his question is if you have a roll-up foam pad instead of an inflatable pad how would you recommend carrying it at some point hopefully later this year it will be upgraded to an inflatable but if you have to pack a roll-up pad how do you carry it that's one part of the question we'll get to the second part number one I think an inflatable pad's worth it for sure. When you can make the investment, make it. And number two, I don't think, you know, those roll-up pads do tend to be pretty light. So it's not the worst thing to strap on the outside of your pack if you have to. Um, And actually, I just randomly thought of this. I have so many extra sleeping pads. I'll send this guy a sleeping pad. So (laughs) I'm just going to do that. (laughs) Let's just do that because this guy needs an inflatable pad. I guess that's my, for part one of this question is, An inflatable pad is so worth it compared to, like, a roll-up foam pad that, yeah, I mean, do what you can when you can. But that's, like, one of the best upgrades you can make, and I'll just send this guy one. The second part I was more curious about, though, was he said, Along the same lines, I was wondering how you recommend strapping down the head of a buck or bull that you kill. I've seen pictures of guys with several different configurations, and he was curious what we found the best method to be. So that's really what I wanted you to talk about, Steve, because there are... Yeah, we see it done a lot of ways. There's definitely some things you want to avoid. So when it comes to strapping on, um, you know, antler and skull, what do you see you guys do wrong? What's some advice? Hit that topic.
1: Uh, Okay. The roll-up pad, the one thing I'll suggest, I'll hit it real quick. Uh, I would do that vertical on the back of the pack, um, like where the stretch panel is, uh, and use like two straps across the front. So I'd use it versus hanging off the bottom because it, it's going to be 20 to 25 inches wide and just kind of probably annoying down there. Every time you go to sit down, your pack's going to hit the ground. But, you know, just be a, just be annoying. So I'd do it vertical off the back. Um, not a problem. Uh, for the head, yeah, the biggest thing that I see is um, hanging off the back of the pack. So, like, the you know, as you're wearing it, the furthest away from your body versus off the top. So, um, basically, I would – you just want the – uh, skull, the, the base of the skull, um, pointing up right behind your head, right? So the nose, the nose is pointing up and then the antlers are, are draping back and away from you. Um, that's by far the best way to do it. doesn't matter deer or elk. Uh, so we want that weight kind of up there high. Basically it's going to be right, said right behind your neck and, and then just transferring down into the pack. You don't want to put it off, off the back, how I just suggested, strapping on a super light sleeping pad because you're just getting that weight further away from your body, uh, which is going to cause just a lot more leverage. It's going to want to pull on you. You're going to have to like bend forward to offset that weight. So now all of a sudden, instead of walking erect, you know, in vertical, you're, you're walking hunched over and granted, you can do that for a mile, but if you got four or five plus miles to go out, that's going to start taking its toll on you. You're working muscles just to walk that you're not normally used to working. Um, so yeah, just, just high and then tight. Um I've seen one thing I've seen that's pretty cool. I've never personally done it is w- when you have a big elk rack, uh find a super lightweight um uh stick or something that's rigid enough that will hold the antlers but they actually strap it across the back of the pack. This is hard to describe, but
0: Yeah, it's horizontal.
1: Uh, basically, yeah, it's horizontal. It goes from, you know, one one antler to the next all the way across and it um And you just kind of tie that off and that stabilizes uh, the whole, the horn. So if you got a big, you know, any bowl, I'd say over 320, you know, those are, those can be pretty massive, long beams, you know, 50 inch beams or something like that. Um, So that actually, it's, it's a pretty cool trick. I, you know, I've seen, sometimes I've seen a, somebody strap a stick on there where the stick weighs like, it's gotta be a five pound little log, right? (laughs) And I'm like, yeesh, that's, you know, like. That's, that's a bit much, but maybe that's all they had laying around. Uh, it's got to be sturdy enough that it doesn't just, you know, can't be flopping, flimsy, but um, yeah, I, probably the best thing would be a trekking pole, you know, if you had a spare trekking pole there to, to go across and brace that, but it's I've never personally done it. I just, I've only ever killed one big pole, and that was a long time ago, so I uh, never had the need. but yeah, <laughs> if you do kill one, it's, it seems like a pretty cool tactic. We'll have to um, with uh, can you set an image for the podcast. Yeah. On the website, you could like share, share an image of somebody doing that or share that on, yeah. on the, our back country Instagram page today. People can check it out.
0: Yeah. Actually, if you guys go there, I, I knew there was one semi recently. So if you go to our Instagram page, which oh. is at hunt Backcountry, it's currently the like 12th image down. So you don't have to scroll too far down. Um, but there's a picture oh. of Dan Solzman. Um, oh, okay. and so he's kind of, face in with his pack towards the back and he's kind of looking over his shoulder just to give you guys an idea of what you're looking for but he has exactly that he has a stick horizontal um, across his pack uh, and then it's showing how that's supporting and tied to the antlers so yeah that'd be a great way to go see it is just go to the instagram page and scroll down not too far
1: and it's right there um yeah so just a quick rundown is just get that as you know all the weight you want as close to the body as possible as close to your back uh, the heavyweight and then the lighter it is, you know, then that could be further away from your body. But that, you know, a big, um, big elk rack, even a deer, um, you know, you got the head and typically, uh, not typically, but you know, often you're going to have a cape attached to that. If you haven't caped it out in the field, you know, you just caped it up to the base of the neck. So that, uh, you know, you got 10 to 20 pounds of cape there. It's a fairly heavy deal. Just have that, um, you know, right behind your neck, uh, and then and then you just take the lid and and you're just going to put that like on, you know, basically the head would be coming up, the nose would be pointing up, and the lid's going to be right on the backside of that. So the furthest away from your body and you just suck that in tight right to the top of the frame and uh, you should be good to go.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, hopefully so many of us have that problem. We have to worry about how do I put this giant freaking rack on my back? <laughs> <laughs> hopefully that's yeah, coming for I most think, of us.
1: Uh, um, if any indications of what the heck's going on in this country right now, there's going to be a, a lot of people that aren't working as many hours or a lot of people that don't have a job come September. So there's probably going to be a fair amount of guys out there in the woods uh, hunting and, and killing stuff and yeah. motivated to get uh, meat for the freezer at home. And yeah, there'll probably be lots of photos coming in. Yeah, Yeah, that's cool
0: yeah whether it's uh now or later man seeing photos of you guys putting the packs to work whether it's on a big buck a big bowl something small just out with the fan, we always love that so you can actually just email those to us to photos at com. we love seeing that stuff so steve not to play like a news correspondent here but i am just curious as you know we wanted to continue to talk a little bit about covid everything going on like wh- where you where's, where's your head at i guess after the weekend what are you thinking
1: yeah, man, just still, you know, I took the approach early on to say, hey, I'm gonna be overly cautious about this. I want to look back at two months and say I did too much, then then regret not doing enough. Um, you know, it is. Um, I'm definitely don't want to be like negative Nancy, but it's I'm super disappointed in you know, literally from an individual level to people people not taking it serious, blowing it off, all the way up to the government being just completely dysfunctional in ways. You know, the, this whole testing debacle. Um, where people aren't getting tested. It's, it's really frustrating. Uh, so the, you know, the numbers are way more widespread than anybody realizes. I have four people in my inner circle that have been exposed to people that probably have it. Um, so, and that's just here in Idaho, uh, where we supposedly only have 40 cases. So it's frustrating. Um, but we'll see what happens. I think the, uh, the reality is this is going to be uh, around for a while. It's going to be the new normal once, you know, hopefully we can get past this little, um, they keep saying uh, flatten the, the curve, right? Kind of delay the um, the onslaught of, of all the cases so that the hospitals can keep up and, and hopefully they get geared up for it. And then it's just kind of, uh, my guess is life in a couple months is going to have to kind of quasi back, go back to people go to work and you go out and maybe they just limit social gatherings to certain sizes. I don't know. But you know, obviously, we all can't shut down businesses and and stay from home for months on end. Everything's just going to grind to a complete stop and and be like not be able to be repaired. It'll be Great Depression 2.0 if that happens. So, right. um, yeah. Meantime, just keep a positive attitude. Hang out with the family. My garage is as clean as it's ever been after this <laughs> weekend. Uh, all my hunting gear's organized. Had my daughter helping me do a bunch of bunch of projects. It's fun. She's finally getting old enough that I can. Um, like, you know, have, I had bought this shelf and I had her assemble it with me, you know, it took like, it took two hours to do instead of like 10 minutes, but she tightened yeah. every screw and it was fun. So, that's cool. Um, but yeah, just hang back, keep a good attitude and, and you know, like, uh, we can only control what we can control. So just have a good attitude. Um, I still like, uh, the advice of every day, call five friends and then if you can help out somebody, help them out, you know, reach out to people that you think may be in need and if, if, uh, everybody that's able to do that, does that, you know, we're going to get out of this a lot faster and be way better off. So, yeah, sure.
0: Cool. I think that's a good way to cap it. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to tell the stories of our first bow kills, answer some more listener questions. If you guys have any listener questions, go ahead and just shoot us a quick email to podcast at exomountaingear.com and we'll talk to you then.